Are you an overwhelmed SaaS founder ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Maines. Welcome back to the SaaS Fuel podcast, where we end all of our emails with self-destruct in 10 seconds. I'm your host, Jeff Maines. I help B2B SaaS founders like you scale up and exit, creating premium valuation, social impact, and enjoying freedom running your business instead of your business running you. Disappearing messages. Remember those from Mission Impossible? You know, I never thought those would actually be real or used widely. Remember a number of years ago, I was doing DevOps for a multi-location system, not because I was good at it, I was just the only one dumb enough to say, yeah, I know something about computers. I could probably do that. This is back in the days of green screens, multiplexers, and modems. Now, there was a feature in the software called interoffice mail. And I don't mean the envelope with a string on it that gets passed around. You know, I set this thing up and we could send each other asynchronous chat messages. And it was extremely primitive. There wasn't even an inbox. But it didn't matter what you were doing, it would just pop up on screen and you dismiss it and it would just disappear. Of course, the real use case wasn't for office or real communication. It was pranks. You make a funny message pop up in the middle of a call or a meeting or some high stakes moment. Yeah, it was really fun. But selling stuff wasn't even a thought then. You know, but that didn't take long to develop in the email world. It was maybe a, a year or so later, I got my very first email address. Uh, with an AOL disk, just disk CDs. I mean, back in those days, uh, some of you remember that for sure. It was you know, 10, 20, 50, 100,000 free hours on AOL, but you had to use it in the next 30 days. I'm not sure how that math works, but uh, yeah, that was the way that it was. And funny as it is, I still have that email address to this day. Do you still have your very first email address? I'm really surprised how many people do. Yeah, I, I don't really use it today. It's where all the junk goes. And that's actually one of the things we're going to talk about today. How do you stay out of junk mail, engage your audience, and deliver value? How can you leverage the power of email to grow our SaaS business, right? That's what today's show is all about. Well, today's episode is sponsored by Champion Leadership Group. Get free growth tools and map out a growth plan to scale your SaaS business from 10, 20, 50 million and more. Travel with fellow SaaS founders on your growth journey using a proven methodology that is mentor-guided, results-focused, and peer-supported. Celebrate wins and quickly rebound from setbacks and achieve profitable growth, impact, and freedom. Unleash your SaaS growth at championleadership.com. In our last episode, we talked with PK Agarwal, founder and CEO of The Fifth Ingredient, a data-driven SaaS for craft breweries called Beer 30. Not just a great name. Great insights about narrowly focusing on a market and being the expert in that market. And they definitely are. And our guest expert last week was Alexa Scott, who made the leap from SaaS sales leader to her real passion of content and community. A courageous and public journey documented on LinkedIn, she gave great insights on how to stand out in a crowd and create a community around your SaaS. So if you missed either one of those, queue them up next and binge on. My guest this week is Irvin Ang, a super talented copywriter and marketing strategist who knows how to engage and convert leads. His specialty is email marketing. 
So if you have a dead list, low open rates or bad response rates, or maybe just don't know how to extract the gold, this will be super valuable. Welcome our SaaS fuel expert this week, Irvin Ang. Hey, Irvin, welcome to SaaS fuel. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. And it's nice to you know, speak with everyone today. Well, tell me a little bit about your background in marketing. How did you decide that marketing was the, the right path for you? That's quite funny because I wouldn't say I always wanted to be a marketer. Uh, for me, actually, I'm only 22 years old. So I think I'm pretty young. All the people that I speak with, I'm probably quite young, still early in my journey. I actually wanted to be a banker uh, ever since I was young because I had the perception, I guess, society always taught me because I came from, I guess, a pretty good a government school. And people always say that, you know, if you want to be successful, then you should work in the finance industry. So I wanted to be a banker. I actually thought that, you know, if I make a banker, I'll be in like a high-rise building with a nice view. Oh, maybe I'll be making a lot of money. And that to me was like success. So for a long part of my life, because I, I guess it hasn't been that long ago for me uh, when I exited the school system. So <laughs> back, yeah, back then, my mindset was seriously like straight up just study. I have to be the best student. I just need to do very well. I guess things did go well at the start. Like I did get to the university course I wanted. I got into business management. And then eventually I dropped out of there. But we can talk about that later. Um, <laughs> but basically, I guess that was like just a period in my life. Because my father is an entrepreneur. I would go to his offices. I would talk to his staff. He would never ever teach me anything office. I know there's stories of, oh, my father used to teach me this and all that. For, for my father, he didn't have the time. He was very busy. Uh, yeah, anytime that we have, he would just spend time just trying to like play with us or bring us traveling and stuff. But I would observe with my eyes. I would see how he talks, how does he conduct meetings, and how does he run the business. And that was very interesting to me. Uh, but I think everything came crashing down, uh, I would say, around when I was like 18 years old. And that was when like his business really like slumped because he screwed up real bad and he went bankrupt and stuff. But I would say... Wow, that period was like kind of the worst part of point in my life because up to that point I never ever experienced something like that. Like this is the first time I have my my even my family also we never ever experienced something like this. So it was, it was really bad. But that actually led me to come into the world of entrepreneurship. Yeah, that that was the whole or I would say the portal that made me realize oh there's a whole other world that I didn't know about. Like okay, this is interesting. You know, I learned about marketing, which we're talking about uh, marketing. I learned about sales i learned about how people can actually just make money online and stuff yeah so so that was how i eventually started to see that i was shifting more and more from the conventional path you know the idea of just getting a graduate uh, a degree a bachelor's degree working for a corporate or that i gradually shifted and just kept an open mind and, and just trying to learn as much as i can and, and then see where this takes me so that was like how that's stuff. great <laughs> from banking to marketing. I mean, those are like two completely different worlds. I love that. Yeah, one thing was that uh, one very clear thing I remember that helped me uh, reinforce this decision was that I actually got a chance to speak with a banker from like J.P. Morgan, which I think is like a pretty well-known bank or something. And he literally told me this. If you want to go into banking just to make a lot of money, right, you're going to be so screwed. Like, do not do that. Like, and he was a banker. He was telling me that. And then I asked him why. And then he was oh, like, because... Wow. Yeah, and he was like, yeah, you made a lot of money, but you work until 4 a.m. in the morning. You work like a job and, and it's just, the culture is pretty like intense. So the money alone isn't going to like keep you there. Like I wouldn't advise it. So I was like, whoa, this guy is a banker. And he's telling me not, not to go there, man. So like that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if somebody's telling you, don't do what I do, that's probably pretty good advice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good advice. 
So tell me about uh, marketing and where you've had really, really good success in, in marketing. Where have you seen companies make some of the biggest mistakes when it comes to marketing and promoting their solution? So I know you guys primarily, like you primarily work with SaaS companies and yeah, we mainly work with coaching companies. Uh, but I, I guess I can still see that some parallels and how we can bring that into the SaaS industry. But just speaking from my own experience, like right now we work with a bunch of six or seven figure coaches, right? Uh, in terms of mistakes, when it comes to like marketing, I would say it's just more in terms of like the strategy side. I feel that a lot of coaches, right, while they might be very good at like selling, creating offers, you know, webinars, those kind of stuff, challenges, I think that they might be so obsessed over like building up their following. I talk to like many coaches and they always like to share that, oh, you know, I have a million followers on TikTok. I have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. Uh, and that's really amazing. And they really care about all this stuff, which helps to improve the brand. Uh, but when I ask them this question, then they like, they just get stumped. They're like, whoa, that came out from nowhere. And I'll just ask them, so how many email subscribers do you have on your list, right? Like, how many of those followers are actually like email subscribers? And then they're like, wow, actually not a lot. Like maybe even less than 1%. Like if I have like a million, like that day I just spoke to one guy, he has like a million followers on TikTok. And his list is only like 5,000. Then I was like, whoa, what, what, but why is that? And then he's like, I didn't even know you're supposed to like bring them into email. Yeah. And I would say the mistake is because like nowadays, right, uh, the news, the celebrity, I guess the drama on the internet is this guy called Andrew Tate, right? <laughs> we suddenly just talk about him as well. And I would like to use him as a very good case study since it's something that everyone is talking about right now. Like this guy is so famous. He has millions of followers and all that. But you see, in spite of all that, right, uh, because he kind of said the wrong thing, or like he stepped on the toes of big tech, right? They completely shut him down. And they boycotted him, right? Every single platform crushed him, banned him. And he's not the only one. In fact, uh, another guy that I used to follow this quite well-known YouTuber, uh, he also got crushed by YouTube for no, no warning at all. Like, and this guy, like, he's like such a great guy. He donates so much money to charity. He promotes a lot of good stuff, but he still got crushed just because he didn't follow the guidelines. So I always like to say that the problem is that you never ever want to look at your social media profiles as like your assets. Because they are just like what I don't use them. I like to use this term. They are just like rented land because you never truly own them. They are owned by the platforms. And anytime they are unhappy with you, they can just like keep you out with no warning. And all that following you over the years, right? It's all gone. Whereas if you have actually like spent the time to like maybe have some kind of like opt-in sequence or a link in your bio bio, right? To just send them to a landing page to collect their emails, then all of that. Uh, that database, right? The email list is yours forever. That that is truly an asset that you can use to do so many things. You can uh, send them to book a call. You can tell them about a webinar or whatever. But it's really about the email list. And and I, and I guess the good thing for Andrew Tate is that I, I realized that he actually does have an email list. So that, that's good for him. <laughs> yeah, if not, it's kind of wasted. Yeah, that's a really good point about owning owning your list, owning your, your market, because if it is on social, it is, it's not yours. It, it belongs to somebody else and that can go away immediately. And that's a yeah. really tough place to be. Well, I guess there's uh, maybe a little bit of a sentiment out there that, you know, email is, is old and outdated and, and doesn't work anymore. Um, tell me about that. Yeah. Is that, is that true or is that a myth? Yeah, it is a, uh... <laughs> Very interesting question, but usually if I jump on a sales call and someone tells me that, I'm like, okay, this person might not be the right fit, but still just share anyway, right? Just <laughs> I, I always look at myself as like a prophet, like just go around telling people about the value of email. I mean, people can say is they oh, like, especially in Singapore where I'm from, right? A lot of the business owners that I talk to, they actually don't even really use email or they feel that 
email is really truly dead. Uh, but I just showed that a couple of stati- uh, statistics, right? Actually, you see in terms of my like, emails uh, revenue, right? And in terms of how many people like have an email, it's been going up. Like, like the, I think that I saw like some kind of chart. It was going up by like 40%. And there's like billions of people that has an email account. And I think especially in the US, uh, I'm not sure if you currently about growth, but I think in the US, in Australia or in Europe, uh, most of the corporate people, anyone that's like working, right? They usually would have an email and people do check their email every day. Right. Yeah, that's the first thing. Uh, second thing, and this one, this one's gonna be like the mind blowing uh fact for most people is that email actually has one of the highest ROI in terms of marketing. Uh, I think on average, about every one dollar they put into email marketing, right? On the average, you should get at least thirty six dollars back. So I don't think there's any other like advertising funnel that you can get thirty six x. Like what kind of if you if you get that in the stock market, you're already more buffet. <laughs> but uh yeah, even for if you run Facebook ads, right? You run YouTube ads, a lot of people they run all those stuff. Uh there's no way you're gonna get this kind of uh, ROI because the audience is cold. They don't know you, they don't trust you, they don't like you. I mean not they don't like you, sorry, but they just haven't taken the time to understand you. Whereas an email list, right? Uh you can send as much emails as you want, you know, as over time as they get to know you better. Uh that's that's how you get that very high ROI because of the trust, the compound interest of for the relationship that you have built. Through the email marketing, uh, if you don't do it properly, that, 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 that's how you get this kind of uh, very good result. So I would say email isn't dead, just like I don't think any platform is dead. Uh, Facebook is still very good. I know a lot of people who actually use Facebook groups as their main acquisition strategy, even though sure. like, everyone's saying Facebook is old, now it's TikTok. I really don't think that's right. I think every platform is good. Uh, but I just feel that email is just that one thing that everybody should have because why not, right? It's like an asset that you truly own and it's really powerful if you do it properly. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And then maybe spam is dead. You know, emails that have no value are dead, but uh, emails that they do have value or build relationships, just like you said, build that trust up. That is something that still works really, really well. And I think, especially in the B2B world, that's absolutely correct. Yeah. So tell me about content marketing. Now, that's something we're all told we need to be on every platform all the time and post every day and have a whole bunch of stuff. And it, it one, it seems exhausting. But you know, if, if we do that, does it work? You know, tell me about content strategy. How important is it? And what should we be doing that is going to be effective, not just uh, you know, time killing? Right, right, right. Yeah, so there's one of the big main pain points, right? When I, when I talk to a lot of my uh, coaches, uh, they say that it takes us too much time for them to write content. They still got to like manage their sales team. They still got to like take care of their clients and stuff. And uh, I'm guessing that's also for any kind of like sales founder. Uh, you have you have to spend time like with your tech team trying to build out the product and stuff. So, right. Uh, yeah. So one way that uh for us uh, when we work with a client, right? How do we kind of like streamline the entire process so that it's not only efficient, it's fast, but at the same time we know exactly what kind of content goes up each day. Uh, we we create some kind of like content calendar. And basically, this calendar, uh, it will show exactly each day, right? Like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If let's say we send three emails per week, each day the client can straight away they can see okay what email is going out today and why 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 are we sending this email? So for example, like Monday can be like some kind of story email. It can be a belief shift email. And the purpose of this email is not really to sell. It's just to build trust, just to nurture the audience, you know, shift their beliefs. Uh, because especially like need to be right or high ticket. Uh, there are certain limiting beliefs that we have to break for them to buy into our stuff. And I guess it's still the same process uh, because, yeah, I mean, it's all about, like sales is all about persuasion. Right? You need to shift some beliefs and say, this is why my solution is the best solution. This is why my solution is better than what you're doing right now. Yeah. So things like that. 
And then after that, maybe Wednesday can be something like a testimonial email. Like recently, this client had an amazing experience using our product or service. Then we install that in. And then after that, uh, it builds even more trust. And then now that we have built so much trust and stuff, right? Then now we can ask for a pitch. On Friday, we will send a, like a more direct kind of email where we're asking them to, you know what? If you're ready to move forward, uh, book a call. Or I guess in sense, it's called book a demo session. <laughs> Some, something like that. Uh, yeah, so it's really streamlined. And every week, uh, there should be some kind of theme. So uh, for the coaches, right, uh, usually in their programs, they will have like, I will know that when I ask the client, they say they will have certain pillars, like some content can be on positioning, how to position yourself better in the market. Uh, one can be like, how do you transition from like one-to-one to like one-to-many? How do you charge more? Yeah, so each week, right, we will center it based on a pillar in the program that the coach uh, teaches. And for sense, I'm not sure if they have like the same kind of pillars, but it's just something that you can kind of reference as well. Having some kind of weekly theme, uh, it makes it very like uh, streamlined because uh, yeah, it, it doesn't feel like all the same. Like sometimes people are worried that, oh, I always see the same, the same things, right? People are going to get bored. But with this outline, right, it's never going to be the same. And yet at the same time, it's like very, very like fast. You don't have to like, Think so much is is that it's like a template as well. Yeah, no, that's really smart. So you you have the the same theme or same type of content, uh, but the the subject changes. But every week, I like the idea of every week having a theme. So you're thinking about you know what is it that we want to communicate this week, and I think that's helpful because you really have that holistic message through the the entire week. Yeah, exactly. And, and a lot of times, right? Uh, this the this the part that I just oh my god to say this. Like uh, a lot of a lot of uh, the some of like, like the potential clients that I talk to, right? Uh, the coaches they they say like uh three times per week. That's that's way too much, man. I'll never open. I'll never read that many emails. One once per week is is the sweet spot. But but then I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, you can set up once per week, but people are just gonna forget you. Like today it's like TikTok. You know the videos are like five seconds. The attention span is so short. People are just gonna forget you. So, like, the more emails you send, yeah, the more emails you send, the higher the chance that they actually remember what you said during that week. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, that's why it's like good to have that volume as well. That makes a lot of sense because yeah, even if you send out an email every day, not everybody is gonna open every single one. We'd love to think that, right? <laughs> that I'm gonna send it out. I'm gonna get a hundred percent open. Hundred percent open. None of us do that. Like maybe I mean, ten percent probably pretty good. But yeah, it's it's. Always being in front of people, always being available, uh, reminding them, you know, why why you're out there. It's really like all about the touch points. Like, I, I guess that's one of the strengths of email as well. Like, you can have Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, right? all the platforms, right? But there is no channel that I find where you can have so many touch points, right? And and there's things like what we call email sequences, where you can just string entire series of emails. Like, it can be 10 emails, 14, even 30 emails. And you know precisely, okay, when are you going to send each one each day? Uh, like, you know, 24 hours, 48 hours. And, and email is able to provide that, like that, that touch point, right? So that no matter where they are in their journey, you are sticking with them. And it's all about the stickiness, right? Because the more you can stick with them, the more they can remember like, oh yeah, that guy, that's the guy that's very good at funnels or that's the guy that's very good at like webinars or something like that. Then when the time actually does come where that person actually needs your help, it's like, oh crap, now I need to figure out this thing. Then you're the first one that comes to mind because of your emails. And that makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned webinars a couple of times. Is that something that is still relevant today? 
Or has that been, you know, is I guess kind of the same question as email. Has it been overdone? Or how can how can a SaaS company use webinars to to drive value and and increase, I guess, their their platform, the awareness uh, to their audience? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, I won't say I'm the webinar expert, but just from my own experience, just to share, uh, some of my clients, they run, maybe not so much webinars, but they do challenges. Which is kind of the same thing, right? It's just a three-day kind of like webinar style. Sure. Uh, where every every day, uh, they'll go up for an hour with their audience live, like a webinar kind of format. And they'll just like share their content. And each day, it's got to be a different theme. And it's probably a paid event, right? Like they have to pay like $47 to attend a challenge. And then towards the end, when they have gotten so much value, then that's when you kind of ascend them to book a call or learn more about the programs. And uh, I, I actually noticed this. I, I would say this is actually the main marketing strategy of ClickFunnels as well. So ClickFunnels is pretty smart. They actually like popularize the two combo card award, right? And that actually comes during... Right. I, yeah, I think it's actually happening right now. My friend just told me he just uh, arrived at the hotel for it. The, the funnel hacking line or something, right? That's their, their main event, right? Where people go on stage to shake hands and Reversal once and get the awards. And I would say that's actually kind of the same thing, right? When they're just running a challenge and they're just trying to teach people how to build a funnel or, 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 or just get better at marketing. But actually, the main idea is that to get them to be more sticky to actually use their software, which, work, which works fantastically. Like now, 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 I mean, ClickFunnel is like such a big company. And I would say that's actually one of the main strategies. So whether it be webinar or challenges, it's just really about creating some kind of experience where you actually get to nurture the like a mass amount of like like a very big scale of like your target market teaching them about what exactly does your software uh what what can it do for me how does it solve my problem and it's like super like condensed three days they just stick with you they ask you all the questions and you just over deliver they love you so much then it's easy to like easier to reach them to the uh to the software because like I would say one of the hardest things, right? Uh, actually when it comes to like just trying to grow your company is at scale, right? Just trying to scale. The scaling part is really hard. And I think that the webinar does a really good job because like I mean in the past before all this stuff, like you know, like people like Tony Robbins, he would have to like go on a seminar stage, he had to rent a hotel room, he had to rent the event management stuff, so much money, right? Just to get like right. hundred people in. But now with the webinar software, right, you can get like, I don't know, five hundred people just like that with no, no cost, zero cost, and you just you just do your thing. Yeah, so that's that's something that I think is pretty pretty good. That makes a lot of sense. Is, is you know getting prospects together, giving them value, and it's not really a pitch about your your software, but it's about the benefits. It's about you know accomplishing something, getting getting them a benefit, something that they want, and and it just happens to be that the software is is one of the ways to get that benefit. And so, yeah, I really like that of being able to tie that together. So you're really adding value. So it's kind of a, you know, it's not a direct sell, but it's something of here's what you want. Here's how you get it. And oh, by the way, you can use our software to make that happen and and get that result. So you're really teaching them how to get those results that they really want. I think it's a really smart way to do that. When we think about funnels, um, one of the things that we hear a lot about is like top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel. Yeah, tell me about that. How does that work in marketing? And just for the, the audience, explain that a little bit. You know, what, what would be like top of funnel content? What is middle of funnel? And what is bottom of funnel? And how are they different? 
For myself, I don't really use those terms, but I would think of it as kind of the same thing as like an ascension ladder, right? Where people are trying to step into your world for the first time. So I guess that's called the top, right? Because they come from the top. Then as they ascend, as they ascend, right. they buy your right. yeah, middle tier, uh, back end product, then they keep going down. In terms of front end, I guess the top of the funnel, right? That will probably be uh, just, I guess maybe I can use a coaching example since I'm more familiar with uh, this industry. Top of funnel will probably be something like, uh, as I mentioned, a, a 3-day challenge. Or it can be some kind of like low ticket product or course or trading for maybe like uh, $27, $37, where people don't really have to put much investment into you to get to know your brand. But at the same time, it's like you're still creating a touch point. You're still trying to tell them like what, what, what I do, how can I help you? Give that little taste of your, your, your back-end program. And that usually, in terms of like marketing standpoint, it probably comes from like your Facebook ads, your retargeting. And for your email sequence, I would say it's probably just uh, a welcome sequence, a very simple welcome sequence just to say, hey man, like, thanks for joining my list. Uh, you know, this is what I do. This is my story. It's just trying to build that relationship and trying to show them like why you're the best person to help them. But you're not really ready to sell them anything yet because by then they're still kind of like skeptical and probably still just trying to like, trying to understand you, what, what do you do? And they also need some time to consume the low ticket product that they bought. So that's probably like a top of funnel. Uh, middle of funnel uh, depends. Uh, it can be like, uh, let's say for all the coaches that we work with, right? They have like an annual kind of event uh, called Impact Weekend where they just three days just uh, teach a lot of stuff, teach them about marketing, how do you uh, coach better. And it's more like higher level, more like advanced stuff. And that kind of uh, price point, I would say is about one to $2,000. So I guess that's called middle of funnel because now it's a higher price point. There's more investment from the prospect. And now there's even more commitment from uh, the coach themselves to just share and really uh, over deliver because they're actually going to be on stage. It's going to be in person as well. So there's a lot of like uh, emotional like investment and commitment. And in terms of marketing, by then, uh, assuming they already got through your welcome sequence in your email, uh, they've already like kind of understand who you are. Now that's where you can kind of send them more uh, what we call like uh, maybe like reminder sequences, just saying like, you know, this event is coming up. And then, the whole marketing uh, standpoint might be like just trying to find different ways to say like, okay, this is why this event might be a good fit for you. Uh, if you're already doing X, Y, Z, maybe you're already like making 50000 a year or more in your business, but you're just trying to, you want to find a better way to just hit that six-figure mark, uh, six-figure per year mark and just try to have a better understanding of who you serve. Like, so it's more like, like depending on the market language, right? you want to talk more based on like what, where, basically you want to meet them where they're at. So it's a lot of like copywriting, right? It's really about really understanding how well do you know your uh, target avatar, which is really the main uh, success of the best copywriters, right? Because they're so good at that. They are very good at like understanding what exactly does their target avatar want to do one, what is their pain point, where are they at right now in the customer journey? Like that's the, probably the hardest part, but when you have that uh, already down in, then that's when you can build up this kind of sequences. So that's middle of funnel. And I would say the bottom of funnel is probably for those super like high ticket stuff, like I think Russell Brunson's like his highest end mastermind is like a hundred thousand or something, like his platinum two cover club, I don't know, something, something. Yeah. And probably uh back like the bottom of funnel, right? Uh in terms of marketing, that is probably when someone has already been in your world for quite some time. They probably attended that event, they probably bought enough trainings, and they already been on your email list for maybe three to six months. So I would say the Bottom of funnel, right? Uh, it's just maybe just having what we call an ascension sequence. So that's when actually somebody just 
gone through like a journey with you, like let's say the three-day uh, paid event, right? Then now they're like, they're super hot, right? Because they, they've already experienced the benefit. They've already seen how good you are. And then that's when we actually create an ascension sequence uh, that basically says, okay, now that you have already completed this, right? That's awesome. And now you're already like at this part of the journey. But now you might be wondering, okay, where do you go from here? Or how do I get to maybe from now from six figures? How can I get to seven figures? And, and that's why we create this kind of like ascension sequences just to show them, okay, uh, to go to seven figures, you need this, 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 this. You need a very strong team. You need to know how to build systems uh, that, that help you to scale. You need to know how to run like profitable marketing campaigns. It's no longer just organic. You need to know how to like run with YouTube ads and all that. And that's what we're going to teach you actually in this program, which is the highest package or whatever. And then that's how you ascend them. So it's very like, you can, like, I always like to call it a waterfall because you are really like, you're trying to like bring them up, like go along with you. At, at any point of time, right? Uh, each of the customers, like some might be here, some might be in the middle, some might be at the top. But you always want to have like targeted email sequences or like targeted messaging, right? That speaks to them where they're at, right? Of course, everybody's got to be in a different way. There's no way like your email list, right? Like let's say you have 10,000 people, right? There's no way everybody's gonna be at the top. Like probably only one percent is gonna be at the top, but ninety nine percent is still at the at the bottom. I mean, at the top or at the middle. Very good. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna ask Irvin about how to make offers irresistible. Why some offers work and others don't. Right after this, Champion Leadership Group helps B two B SaaS entrepreneurs successfully cross Death Valley. One in forty thousand companies grows to ten million dollars in revenue. The rest stay small or die along the trail. Champion Leadership Group is on a mission to solve that and to help SaaS founders grow to $10 million and well beyond through a unique, proven process that is mentor-guided, results-focused, and peer-supported so that SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs achieve sustained, profitable growth, positively impact their community, and enjoy the freedom they became an entrepreneur for in the first place. Accelerate revenue and get free SaaS growth tools at championshipleadership.com. Welcome back to SaaS Fuel. My guest today, Irvin Eng, founder of Convert from Email. And Irvin, tell me a little bit about offers. That's something that is a hot, hot topic. Why do some offers work and why do some not? Right, right. <laughs> so this one I have to like uh, give a <laughs> big shout. Work? Yeah, I have to give a big shout to this guy. I, I, I guess a lot of people will know them, uh, know this person if you're in like uh, this uh, industry is Alex Hormozzi, right? Actually, like, I read his book, $100 million offers. I would say that actually gave me a lot of clarity on yeah, what's a good great, offer, great. what's a bad offer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love, I'm not sure if you read the book, but uh, that book is really gave me a lot of clarity. And I, I do agree with a lot of things that he mentioned. Uh, you know, when it comes to offers, right? Uh, it's really about, like what he says, the value equation, right? You really want to like first identify, okay, uh, what exactly does my target audience uh, want? So let's say for like, Click funnels, right? Uh, the pro the problem that they were they, they were trying to solve is that a lot of the uh, business owners, uh, the clients of click funnels, right? They will usually use a website, right? That's a traditional kind of website, and people will jump all over the place. You know, they'll find them on SEO, they'll find them on like, Instagram, but then after that, they'll just land on the website, and it's like super complicated in terms of like customer journey. They don't, don't even know where to click to make a purchase, even if they wanted to. So click funnels solve that problem by literally like creating a, a system where they just funnel everyone through it. Like you cannot go anywhere else. You only can click on this page and buy or opt-in or whatever. And if not, you get to leave the page. So that was the, the thing that the customer wanted. 
And the second factor, in terms of like what makes a good offer, right, uh, at the top of the equation is basically, okay, how, how, likely, how likely do I think you can solve my problem? And one way you can actually help to increase that is just by featuring a lot of amazing case studies that you have. So let's say if you are, yeah, like, okay, a great stat that I, I like to use, uh, Slack, right? Slack is a very uh, well-known company. And you will see on Slack's uh, website, right? They have a lot of great case studies, and especially if they are serving the MNCs and the Fortune 500 companies, right? They actually have a lot of Fortune 500 companies that feature like testimonials that people like from, I think, Stripe or there are a lot, a lot of big organizations. I'm not sure, like maybe Coca-Cola or something like that. Or, or Shopify, and they just talk about how like Slack really helped them improve their systems, their teams' uh, communication. So having things like that, right, uh, it definitely makes it more likely. Like, like obviously, like if I have seen that you have done this for ten other people like me, then you're obviously gonna, uh, I, I'm gonna believe that, uh, you have a much higher chance of helping me achieve that outcome compared to someone that maybe only has one case study or, or even like no no case studies, and, and he's still saying the same thing as you, but. I'm just gonna believe you more, right? It's just like a dog, like I use the analogy of like a surgeon, right? If you let's say you 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 need heart surgery because I don't know something bad happened, <laughs> but let's say something bad happened, you're gonna die, right? You need heart surgery. Are you going to uh, go to a surgeon that is just fresh out of medical school and he has never performed surgery before, or are you gonna find someone that has already done it right. hundred? Yeah, are you gonna find someone that has already done this like a thousand times and he's like probably like been this game for like 25 years. And even if he charges you like two times the price, you'll probably still pay for it, right? Because like, what's the risk? Like you're not gonna, it's not worth the risk. You're, you're basically gonna die, man, if this doesn't work out. Yeah, so that, that's really how I look at it in terms of like offers. Right. Yeah, so that's like more of the top part. But I think what's more important, uh, as he mentions in the book, is the bottom part, which I also find applicable in, in my industry. It's basically, okay, how much effort does it take for my customer to actually use my product. Like how much effort does he, does he or she actually have to put in? So let's say for SaaS, right? Uh, let's say for Slack, right? Or let's say for something like maybe uh, Netflix. Netflix, actually, there is no effort needed. You simply, you download the app, right? <laughs> and the funny part is that I used to always tell people, say, I will never use this Netflix thing. Like it's so stupid. Why, why would anyone pay for this? I literally can watch pirated movies for free on the internet. I can watch YouTube, like that's enough. Why would I pay for it? And, and I, I, am, I am their customer for more than almost six months, really. Because <laughs> it's great, yeah. And, and Netflix, I, I would say, maybe they're not so much of a set, but they're still that kind of like pricing model, right? They're still like that subscription kind of thing. And right. I think what they do such a good job in terms of this aspect of the offer is that there's really no effort. You just download the app, you click, you click a few buttons, and literally they even have like a very good algorithm that will ask you a few questions. Okay, what kind of movies you like? What kind of movies you don't like? And then based on the algorithm, they will give you the movies that's probably the best for you. And you're just going to click one of them and straight away you can just watch from your phone, uh, from your smart TV, anywhere, as long as you have a connection. I think you can even download, download it now. But it's like there's no effort whereas compared to like their previous competitor like Blockbusters, right? Uh, or just a traditional cinema. I still have to like drive there. I still have to buy my ticket. I still have to like queue like there's so much friction, there's so much effort that Netflix just destroys that. And that's why I guess Netflix is such a big company today. And the last part is probably just a time factor because, uh, I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs I talk to, they always say, right, like uh, time is money or time is the most valuable currency, not money. It's always about the time, right? Because time is, once you 
like just like this podcast after this podcast gone times. Never gonna you never gonna get it back, right? So it's about how much time do I need to invest after I buy your product, your sets, right? How much time do I need for me to get that outcome? So for something like let's say Zoom, right? Uh, it's very good because yeah, I mean I just buy the thing, I just I just I just create my account, just on, boom, then I have the Zoom room, right? I don't have to wait years, I don't have to set up anything. Uh, whereas compared to something else, maybe more traditional, uh, back then, I don't know, some other kind of like outdated software, maybe you still have to set up a lot of stuff, you need to get a camera ready, you need to have a lot of things just to have the same thing that Zoom does. So it's really about how much time can you save the customer. And I think that's actually one of the most powerful things or like the advantages that uh, a sales founder has, especially in this industry. Because when you have a software, right, it's just something that, you know, it saves people so much time, right? Like, I, I, I use so many, like, sales stuff uh, in my own business. I use Zoom. I use Calendly. I use Loom. Or Loom is a big one. Loom saves me so much time. And, and it's Very so good. Yeah, things like Loom, right? Uh, when you can create the short kind of videos and I use it to, like, just send, send a message to my team member. Like, like, for example, like Loom, right? Why does it save me so much time? <laughs> Free advertisement for them, but yeah. Let's say for remote companies, like, like myself, like my team is all remote, right? Uh, usually, you would have to actually get on a meeting on Zoom, right? You need to like talk to them. Usually, if you want to talk to them, you need to get on a meeting. But Loom actually saves you time because you just need to shoot a very simple five-minute video. If let's say it's only like, it only takes you five minutes to tell your team member whatever. You shoot the, the Loom video, you record it, then you send it to them. And, and even if the, you guys have like different time zones and stuff, right? Uh, the person can actually watch it while you're asleep. And there is no conflict. You don't need to, like, you guys have to force each other to meet, like, oh, I have to meet you, even though I'm so busy. Like, Loom solves that problem. It saves you time. And, and that is why, like, I think that's something that every, like, sales founder should, like, always, like, take advantage of, or, like, just think about it when you're creating the offer. Like, how can I save more time for my customer than my competitors? I, I think that's just something that, yeah, just like to share. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, just reducing that friction. And being easy to work with, and then I've experienced that myself. I've, I've not worked with some vendors um, simply because it was it was too hard. Yeah, and so I would pick another one. And you know, was it better? I don't know. It solved the problem and kind of did the same thing. Uh, but I picked it because it was easier, and you know, cost didn't matter. But you know, features didn't matter. It was they just kind of looked at them as it's kind of the same. But the, the big difference was how quickly can I get this up and going and get my problem solved? And if I can do that in half the time, then all those other things are, are really kind of secondary. Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah. So tell me a little bit about uh, mentors. How have mentors wow. played a role in your success? Uh, mentors have like just been such a important right fact, I would say like if without meeting the right mentors or coach, right, I I think I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't even be on this path. I'd probably still be living in university, just still stuck in a conventional mindset, right? Uh past two years, in fact, I had multiple mentors. Uh, the first one is actually like a local Singaporean who actually uh is really good at like Facebook marketing. He teaches people how to do Facebook marketing. He teaches people how to do sales and he's actually the person that taught me like basic human psychology and how do you even handle people on the phone? Uh, because I remember when I first started, right, uh, with no mentors, like I'll just bang my head on the wall. I'll go physically go to a coffee shop to 
talk to the prospect, right? Only to get rejected, saying like, oh, you are too salesy or like, what are you doing? You never know what you're doing. Like, you might just like top down on you, right? Especially when, like they say, I'm so young uh, back then. But after like that mentor, right? After he really like took the time to just sit me, uh, sit, sit down with me outside, I remember two hours, and he will just try to walk me through his own sales process that he basically crafted after like, I think he done over like 10,000 sales appointments or something. And he basically documented the entire thing and he figured out what kind of things work, what kind of things doesn't work. And then he just walked me through, right, those two to three hours. And he, he just won't play with me. He just tell me, say, okay, pretend I'm the prospect. How will you talk to me? And then he'll correct me, like, every step of the way. And then just try to refine my uh, sales process. And, and because of him, I would say it's, it's one of the main reasons why I, I think maybe compared to some of my peers, right, uh, I actually find it easier sometimes to just talk to people on a, on a, on a, on a sales call. No, and also, it's not, it's not because I have better sales tactics, right? But it's because of the things that, that mentor taught me early on, the foundation taught me how to like just how do you interact like, like with another human being in a way that just trying to be helpful to them and from there if there's a good fit then you close the sale right so that, that, that is one of the definitely valuable things that I really appreciated and I would say the second uh, mentor mentor I guess is uh, probably the current coach that I work with uh, I definitely he helped me a lot uh, because uh, without his methodology right in terms of like copywriting writing great emails uh, I don't think my my emails would have gotten this good in this kind of like short time period. So uh, previously, I would think my emails wouldn't. It would be all over the place, right? My messaging is everywhere. Uh, it just didn't convert. It just didn't punch that well. And when my clients look at it, they are like, "Ah, oh, this is also like not to say better than I." They're like, "Oh, I thought I thought I hired you. I thought you got me really really good, but this doesn't uh, like impress me." And, and, and I just didn't know why, right? I, I, I had so many causes. I had, I read so many books. But the thing is that all these things only take you so far. You need someone that's actually been there, done that, give you personalized feedback, actually like mentor you, coach you one-to-one, right? On a very long period of time. And that's how you become like very good. And because of that, like now, now it's like, not to say I'm super, super amazing, but definitely there's been so much improvement. Like we, we, we made our clients like uh, 100K in the past 100 days and we're able to like just book way more calls. People, people even like say, like you really like exact, right, exactly like me. You capture my voice that most people can't capture. Things like that, right? And definitely the mentor played a huge part. Right. And even one more guy, I would say, I have to give a shout out as well. So this guy is a very interesting one. Uh, it's actually just thing of just acquaintance that I just met doing this like business gathering that my father brought me to quite a while back. And this guy is like a 70-year-old uh, dentist. He's like a very old guy, right? Very, very old guy. He talks very slow and all that. But for some reason, we just chatted and he basically just shared with me a lot of my his own life stories, like his travels and all that. And I would say for him, he really gave me a good perspective of like how to live my life because he went uh, more than just business. He taught me how to think. He taught me like, you know, he's like, how many hours do you have in a day today? Like this kind of very, he'll ask this kind of very weird questions, right? Then, then in my head, he's like, what, what, what are you trying to say? 24 hours. Then he's like, no, eight hours, you're going to spend sleeping. One third of your life is gone, right? you're going to spend sleeping. Another eight hours is just like if you are nine to five, right? You're gonna spend working your day job. So that means how many hours do you have left? You only have actually only like eight. The remaining eight hours is all you have left to build your empire, to build your dream, to build your whatever business. So he will say this kind of very random stuff, very very deep stuff at the same time. Then I was like, okay, like take it back. And then he will start saying things like you know, like like he'll even like ask me things like. Uh, do you know what is the first principle in the book Think and Grow Rich, right? That's one of the most famous books. That was like one of my favorite books that I like to read by the volunteer, right? How to Think and Grow Rich. Yeah, he literally, yeah, literally asked me, you know, during the dinner table, name me the first 
principal in the book. Then I'm like, how does this guy even know? Then I just randomly say some, I just randomly say some, some principal, right? Like, oh, the principal is perseverance. Then it's like wrong. Like the first principal is this. Then I went to like, I went to Google, right? Then he's like, oh my God, this guy is correct. He's correct. <laughs> he's 70 years old and he's like, <laughs> his mind is so sharp, you know? His mind is so sharp. So I was like, pretty stunned, yeah. But that, that guy really, he helped me to like, think differently as well. In terms of like, not just business, but in life, right? Help me, help me to like, think, think in a different way. And I, I really, really appreciate that as well. Yeah. I love that. I think that's you're exactly right. One of the, the greatest <laughs> benefits to mentors. I mean, there are definitely you know shortcuts and, and things like that, but helping to see the world differently. Uh, that is so, so valuable. And just taking that and just shifting our mind a little bit so that we think about things differently. We see the world a little bit differently. So I recently, where can people find out more about you and convert uh, by email online? Actually, you can just reach out to me on uh, Facebook, uh, Irvin Ang, right? Or it's just facebook.com slash convert from email. You can reach out to me on my Facebook profile. Uh, then we can have a chat. Uh, if you're interested, to just connect. I always post a lot of content every week on what we do, how do we like get this kind of like uh, results for clients through email marketing. And then there's also a link on my profile where you can opt into my newsletter. That's where I share more in-depth stuff right, from people that are pretty hardcore. Uh, another thing is you can just send me uh, email personally as well uh, to a company email uh, just to chat, uh, which is convertfromemail uh, at gmail.com. Very really appreciate our conversation today. Thank you for being on SAS Fuel. Thank you as well. Yeah, great, great to share. Thanks again to Irvin for coming on the show and sharing your insights and resources. You can learn more about Irvin and get more insights on his Facebook page, Convert with Email. As always, all links, highlights, resources, and full show notes are available at sasfuel.com. Well, please subscribe or follow us at sasfuel.com. Everyone who subscribes this week will send out 88% less spam and 77% more value. You know, I always appreciate the thought out emails and offers. How about you? Join us next week for our conversation with Hugo Sanchez, founder and CEO of Rthreat, a cybersecurity company that is revolutionizing the way SaaS founders think about and protect applications. Rthreat is designed to protect us from threats known and unknown. It's a fascinating episode and a great founder journey as well. And our guest expert next week is Jeremy Miner, founder of 7th Level, the fastest growing sales training company in the U.S., He'll help us skyrocket SaaS sales by combining behavioral science with proven sales frameworks. Sales is something that a lot of founders ask about. So he's going to come on and really rock it for us. It is a process that is super effective and feels really good for both buyer and seller. So really excited about that. Be sure to check it out next week. Hugo on Tuesday, Jeremy on Thursday. And until then, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to SaaS Fuel. Full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned, are available at sasfuel.com. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash sasfuel. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes.